When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis, back. I've been on the road for the last almost two weeks, basically. Had an incredible time down in Tuscaloosa for the Texas A&M Alabama game. Met a lot of great people. Was down in Florida for the fall break. How much money has fall break made Florida, by the way? I, we didn't have fall breaks, at least not that I remember when I was in school. Now the kids get a full week. It's just like spring break, so it was incredible down there. Fantastic weather. Uh, then I went up to Knoxville, uh, still uh, getting my voice back from that Alabama-Tennessee epic game, which I'm going to talk about here momentarily. And then I uh, was in New York yesterday, back home now, hopefully for several days in a row. That is at least the plan. So... Uh, I, I want to talk about a variety of different stories, but I have to start with Alabama, Tennessee. I'm fortunate to get to go to a lot of different sporting events all over the place. Alabama, Tennessee, Neyland Stadium was the single loudest stadium that I have ever been in in my life. I've been to every SEC football stadium for games, often for big ones. Never seen anything like it. Um, and I thought Alabama, certainly early in this game, was rattled by it. There were a lot of false start penalties. There were a lot of delay of game penalties. Bryce Young played incredible in this game. Uh, but I thought, in general, that that crowd in Neyland was worth 14 points. I've never seen a crowd like that in my entire life. Um, and so uh, 11.6 million people watched it peaking with an audience of 17 million, which is the most watched college football uh, game by over a million viewers so far this year. Uh, And when that kick went over the upright, and my goodness, it barely got over uh, the crossbar and went in for the win, 52-49 for Tennessee. It's the most points Alabama's given up since 1907. 115 years of Alabama football, they put up 52 points, Tennessee did. And I said in my column, uh, when Josh Heupel was hired, I never thought he could turn around things this quickly. He's got Tennessee 6-0 and for the first time since 1998, played a really difficult schedule with four different ranked top 25 opponents so far on the schedule. Kentucky will come into town in a couple of weeks. Uh, And then Tennessee goes on the road against Georgia. But Hendon Hooker, if the vote were going on right now, and if I had a vote, would be my Heisman Trophy winner. I think he's been the best performer all year. I think he means more to this offense than anybody. Jalen Hyatt went off for five touchdown catches, an iconic, legendary performance by him. Uh, And... Keep in mind, Tennessee's offense, which is virtually unstoppable so far, has only punted three times so far uh, in this college football season in the SEC. Uh, Tennessee's offense is still without Cedric Tillman, who was a projected first-round draft pick 
and has been injured since the Akron game. So this Tennessee team on offense is for real. I'm not sure if they're good enough on the defensive side of the ball. They remind me a little bit of the Joe Burrow LSU team, but I think that that LSU team, I think that LSU was better on the defensive side of the ball, particularly in the secondary than Tennessee is. But Tennessee has got a top 10 run defense. Front seven for Tennessee is pretty stout. They're not very good in the secondary. And certainly they've been picked apart. I thought Bryce Young was absolutely fantastic. But I've been to uh, a lot of different sporting events. That is the best time I have ever had at a sporting event. That's the best game that I've ever seen in person at a sporting event. Uh, And I'm still not over it. I keep watching highlights. I still can't believe the game that we saw. Uh, I analogized it in some ways, if you saw me talking about this, to the 1990 Tennessee game, which I remember watching as a kid uh, in Neyland Stadium. Uh, Tennessee gets a field goal block that would have won the game 9-6. Rip ball ricochets backwards. Alabama recovers, attempts their own field goal to win 9-6. Crushing game for me when I was 11 years old. I feel like this was the opposite of that. Kicker pushes the ball far right. Uh, Tennessee Incredible throws by Hendon Hooker coming back the opposite direction. Puts Tennessee into a position for the winning field goal. I think the ball got tipped off the line, which kind of turned it torpedoing sideways around, and it managed to barely get across the crossbar. And then it was pure bedlam in Knoxville. Uh, I found myself, some of you may have seen the videos, in the uh, back of a pickup truck riding back towards the Airbnb that we were staying in uh, with, uh, with three other friends. Uh, there was just pure insanity everywhere in Knoxville. It's one of the most fun nights of my life, maybe the most fun uh, night of my life as a sports fan. Just couldn't have any better of a time. Uh, what do we mean going forward? Uh, look, the reality is Tennessee is still going to have to beat Georgia in Athens in three weeks, probably, to win the SEC East because Georgia's unlikely to lose two games. Uh, in my opinion. And so the biggest statement uh, uh, associated with this is just that Tennessee is back as a major prominent program. And a lot of people thought that that would never happen. And certainly it finally has. Tennessee is now ranked number three overall, the highest ranking uh, going all the way back uh, to 2001, I believe. And so the Volunteers are a prominent force right now in college football and all as well. And I never thought that Josh Heupel would get Tennessee here this quickly, but the fact that he's been able to put this offense in place, that Hendon Hooker has been as good, what are Virginia Tech people thinking? Uh, The question is, can Tennessee make the playoff? And we'll see, right? Um, To me right now, Ohio State, Michigan, Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia are probably the best five teams. I understand people out there want to argue about Clemson or TCU or whoever those teams may be, Uh, but I think that the four best undefeated teams, uh, and I'll run through my top 10 and just talk about it, but there's still so much football uh, left to be played before all is said and done. Uh, But I thought Tennessee's offensive line handled Will Anderson uh, really well and uh, and allowed Tennessee to run the football. Stat that probably stuns a lot of people is Alabama attempted 21 more passes than Tennessee did. 
Bryce Young, Tennessee couldn't get on the ground. He was electric. He was transcendent. He is, in fact, the Heisman Trophy winner. That's not a surprise. But I thought he played absolutely phenomenal football. So here's my top 10. I've got Tennessee number one. I think if you look at the totality of resumes and you don't deal with where you had teams ranked before the season started, and remember Tennessee wasn't ranked at all uh, before this season started, I've got Tennessee as the best team in college football. I've got Ohio State as the second best team. Georgia third. Michigan fourth. I think that's probably who everybody has to have in the top four. TCU, Clemson, Alabama. Then Ole Miss, Oklahoma State, and UCLA. That is my present outkick top 10. 100% judging teams based on what they did on the field as opposed to what we expect to see them do on the field. In terms of uh, SEC power rankings, I've got Tennessee number one overall. I've got Georgia two, Alabama three, Ole Miss four, LSU, really nice win for LSU on the road over Florida. Uh, Gators, wobbly, I think it's fair to say. Uh, Kentucky six, I was impressed that Kentucky got the win over Mississippi State. I thought Mississippi State would get them. Mississippi State, seven, A&M, eight, uh, Arkansas, nine, South Carolina, 10, Florida Gators, 11, Auburn, 12, Mizzou, 13, and Vanderbilt as the 14th best team in uh, college football. So uh, that is my analysis of the college football weekend that was. Um, and uh, I appreciate everybody that I've gotten to meet, gotten to meet on the road. Uh, still got a lot of weeks to be back on the road for Outkick as a part of Big Noon Kickoff, but certainly uh, appreciate all of you uh, out there that I am able to meet on the road. Uh, we're 21 days out from the midterms. So 21 days from now, we will be throwing a party in Nashville. The Clay and Buck Show will. Um And we are going to be celebrating the midterms. And I believe it is going to be a red wave. And it may well turn into a red tsunami. I will update you with my expectations every week. Up to and including the day before the election. Always want to say, this is predicated on, you still need to go out and vote, right? I'm just looking at the trend lines. I'm analyzing the polls. I am looking at the gambling odds and trying to assess what I think is going to end up happening. So the House, Republicans are going to win the House by a substantial amount. It's possible that Republicans have their biggest majority in the House in 100 years by the time all of this is done. So it would be a tremendous upset if Democrats retain the House. I would be stunned beyond belief if that happened. So I'm not even focused right now on the House. I totally expect... For, uh, for Republicans to take the House. The election in the Senate. J.D. Vance is going to win Ohio. Uh, the Ron Johnson is going to win re-election in Wisconsin. Uh, and we are going to see Ted Budd win the open Senate seat in North Carolina. So those three seats are off the board. Marco Rubio is not in danger. He's going to smoke Val Demings. Uh, there is... Only one current Republican seat that is still in play, and I think Dr. Oz is going to win it because John Fetterman is an atrocious candidate. 
Hey, Clay Travis here. We'll be right back. But first, here's a word. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. But the only place where Democrats can flip a seat is Pennsylvania. Open Senate seat there. Uh, Dr. Oz against John Fetterman. Dr. Oz making up a lot of ground. I think he is going to win this election when all is said and done. And John Fetterman is going to lose because he's the worst candidate that either party has put forward for a statewide election in a competitive state uh, in 2022. But Ohio off the board, North Carolina off the board, uh, and Wisconsin off the board. That leaves only Pennsylvania as a potential pickup for Democrats. This election is going to be decided in Pennsylvania, which I think Dr. Oz is going to win, in Arizona, where I think that Blake Masters is going to win, in Nevada, where I believe that Adam Laxalt is going to win, and in Georgia, where I believe Herschel Walker is going to win. And I believe that Republicans are going to pick up three Senate seats. And if the red wave turns into a tsunami, Tiffany Smiley in Washington, uh, Joe O'Day in Colorado, and Donald Balduck in New Hampshire are all potentially going to win Senate seats as well. The difference is red wave versus red tsunami to determine exactly what's going to happen. In the governor's races, uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida, Greg Abbott in Texas, and Brian Kemp in Georgia are all going to win very, very comfortable victories. Um, I believe that Oregon is going to flip Republican and Christine Drazen's going to win that race. I think there's a very good chance Quinnipiac poll came out today in New York that shows Lee Zeldin just four points behind Kathy Hochul in New York. I think there's a very good chance that Lee Zeldin beats Kathy Hochul in New York too. And that means you could have both East and West Coast bastions of Democrat supremacy, both Oregon and New York potentially flipping to Republican governors. This will be the first Republican governor when Christine Drazen wins since 1982's election. Think about how long that has been since a Republican won in Oregon. People are so fed up in Oregon, they're going to vote for Christine Drazen to win, including Phil Knight, Nike CEO, who I would love to talk to, but has donated $4.5 million because he's so fed up with the leadership in the state of Oregon. Phil Knight, who founded Nike, was asked about that and said, he's way more conservative than Nike is. So my question out there for, uh, for, for Phil Knight would be, first of all, I'd love to talk to you. Come on, wins and losses. Let's have a long conversation. I love Shoe Dog. I thought it was one of the best uh, memoirs that I have read in, in a long time. Fabulous. But if you're fed up with what's going on in Oregon, why are you allowing the same woke politics to infest Nike as you are rejecting in Oregon. 
why not stand up and defend the company that you created from the people who would destroy it on the inside with their woke absurdities? If you love Portland, you love Beaverton, you love the state of Oregon, certainly the University of Oregon in general, why in the world would you allow the same thing that has destroyed Oregon to be destroying your company as well? Those would just be my questions. You got to talk about Herschel Walker for a minute. Poll just came out showing him in a dead heat with the Reverend Raphael Warnock. Many of you may have missed it. On Friday, Herschel Walker outperformed the Reverend Raphael Warnock in a debate. Everybody out there had been expecting for Warnock to deliver a knockout blow. Instead, Herschel knocked him out. This is not just me saying it. All of the people that were just polled in a landmark poll, they agreed with me that Herschel outperformed the Reverend Raphael Warnock. Uh, The uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution had a similar headline. I think I've got it here. I was going to read it to you. When you get the Reverend uh, Raphael Warnock not being supported by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, you know that things didn't go well. Here's the Atlanta Journal-Constitution the morning after the debate. Uh, Herschel Walker headline, Herschel Walker's debate performance scores points for his campaign. Um, And direct quote here, Herschel Walker had one mission tonight, make Kemp Republicans comfortable with him and stop ticket splitting, said one Democrat. Uh, Sorry, he accomplished that as, uh, as this election continues to play out. So, Uh, That is a big win for Herschel Walker, and you know it was a big win if that is what is being said. Uh, uh, It felt like he did that. That's the quote from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's coverage. Now, uh, so I think Herschel Walker is going to win this race. You guys may have seen me tweet about this yesterday. Joe Biden's the worst president in any of our lives, and Democrats are continuing to argue that COVID is still going on. And I'll get to that in a moment. But Georgia early voting, first day of voting yesterday was in Georgia, nearly doubled 2018, nearly equaled the presidential election year of 2020. Why is that significant? Because Stacey Abrams and Joe Biden told us this was impossible. They said Georgia had created Jim Crow 2.0. They said that this was voter suppression on steroids. In reality, Georgia, just like they did in the primary season, is going to have far more people voting this midterm than did in the last midterm. And so what should happen is Stacey Abrams and Joe Biden should apologize, as should all the media that carried the water arguing that this was true, particularly because they cost the Atlanta Braves the all-star game where they were going to honor the legendary Hank Aaron. Instead, instead of that happening, the All-Star game got moved out to Colorado. Stacey Abrams called that, caused that crazily. While I was down in Florida, I was seeing a lot of ads for both Florida elections as well as Georgia elections. And Stacey Abrams is now trying to argue that Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, is responsible for the Braves game being pulled when she is herself directly responsible for it pretty indefensible. Um, Poll came out. Lots of polls out there, all breaking in the direction of Republicans. Uh, This is a New York Times poll. 
overall Republicans plus four, independents Republicans plus 10, independent women Republicans plus 18. That's a 32 point swing in the space of a month. Uh, and this is a pretty significant outcome uh, that is hard to explain away. Um, and so the other issue here is what's going to decide this election? It's the economy. It's the economy, it's inflation, it's immigration, it's crime. That's what Republicans are talking about. What issues are Democrats focused on? This is a Harvard-Harris poll. January 6th, which no one cares about. Women's rights, they're trying to terrify women about abortion. And climate change, again, what no one cares about. They're also Democrats, still focused on covid And I thought this was crazy. I was in New York City yesterday. So I went to a meeting yesterday in New York City with three other Fox employees. And the four of us showed up at this meeting. And the office asked me, asked us, for either a negative COVID test or proof that you had gotten the COVID shot. And my mind was blown because this was the first time I've been asked in New York City now To be fair, I avoided going to the city for like a year because I didn't get the COVID shot and I didn't want to have to deal with getting asked these questions. Uh, But I just told the girl at the front desk, I said, look, no, I didn't get the COVID shot. No, I haven't gotten a negative COVID test. Uh, I was just in a, I didn't tell her this, but we sat down. I was like, I was just in a stadium with 100,000 people in it. And people said, oh, that's not representative. No, no, no. These COVID crazies will take back your freedoms the moment that they can. There's still lots of places requiring masks. If you're a parent of a New York City public school kid and you haven't gotten the COVID shot, you can't go to any of their extracurricular activities still. There are thousands of employees that have been fired for refusing to get the COVID shot in New York. And just today, Mark Kelly, who is running for the Senate uh, in Arizona, he's going to lose to Blake Masters, but Mark Kelly actually came out and said... Uh, in his email that if you are not got if you have not gotten the COVID shot, you have to wear a mask outdoors ages two and up in order to be able to attend his rally. These COVID people are insane. And we just talked about this on Clay and Buck, but I think this is important. We need to have state attorney generals in this country bring lawsuits against everyone out there who is involved in the lies for Pfizer and Moderna and maybe Johnson & Johnson as well. We've got a great employee, got a lot of good employees. I'm impressed by them. Uh, but Ian Miller uh, at ENMSC, he shared the Pfizer CEO said in June of 2021, widespread vaccination is a critical tool to help stop transmission. That same company, Pfizer, is now saying we had absolutely no idea if widespread vaccination would be a critical tool to help stop transmission. This is direct evidence of fraud. Pfizer said that you wouldn't spread COVID if you got the shot, and they used that claim as justification to put in place mandates which guaranteed multi-billion dollar profits to Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson, 
for shots that did not do what they claimed they would do. Republican attorney generals need to file fraud lawsuits against Moderna and Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson because even if they have some immunity protection, that immunity protection does not extend to fraud and misrepresentation. What should happen is plaintiff lawyers or state attorney generals should use the tobacco and opioid cases as their uh, precedent for suing these drug companies on the COVID shot. Every single dollar of profit should be taken from Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson and returned to the American taxpayer. Some of these uh, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson employees should be investigated for crimes because their fraud directly led to massive profits for their companies. We need to know what they knew and when they knew it. And we also need uh, for there to be a full vetting of what Dr. Fauci and all of his cabal of cronies knew as well. This is an easy call. This is what needs to happen to both Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson, and Republican attorney generals should be leading this charge. Finally, I saw this, and uh, I, I just thought it was kind of fascinating. In that same New York Times poll that I referenced, uh, where they kind of laid out uh, what exactly was going on uh, in terms of uh, who's supporting who and, and all of these things, uh, it's really kind of fascinating uh, to see and I believe, uh, I believe, thankfully, Generation X is now saving all of us uh, from this awfulness that is the Biden administration. Gen X overwhelmingly is rejecting Democrats. Uh, again, Republicans have a four-point lead among likely voters, but the biggest age gap is 45 to 64-year-olds, basically Generation X, which supports Republicans 59 to 38. Every other age group, 65 and older is dead even. 30 to 44 supports uh, Democrats by around nine points. Not surprisingly, idiot young kids support Democrats by a substantial 12-point margin. The reason why Democrats are going to get their asses kicked is Generation X. And I believe this directly allies and, and connects to... Uh, the anti-authoritarian bent in Generation X. Now, I believe all these generations kind of get confusing to me. I believe I'm Generation X. I'm the uh, youngest member of the Generation X group. I was born in April of 1979. And a lot of places say the millennial generation started in 1980. So, for instance, my sister would be a millennial and I would be Generation X. But I just want to say... Thank God for Generation X. You guys are saving the country right now, and I'm proud to be one of you that is helping to save the country. If you want freedom, you better vote red in three weeks. All right. I love all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, thank you so much to everybody we met in Knoxville, both Tennessee and Alabama fans. We'll be on the road for the rest of the fall. I'm loving every single minute of it. Uh, I will see you guys tomorrow without Kick the Show. We'll be doing these all week. Sunday, I will do a live Game of Thrones reaction show, House of the Dragons, Season 10, the final episode of the season. I'll do a live immediate reaction show when it ends. All that's still to come. Going to be a phenomenal week. Uh, I appreciate all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis. Thank you for supporting OutKick.